0: Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your
1: love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA podcast. Uh, We definitely appreciate each and every one of you taking time out of your day to listen into the show here. I'm Tyler, and with me, as always, on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis, And today, obviously, what else is there to talk about? We are talking all things Signing Day 2018, at least Signing Day Part 2 2018. And what a ridiculous and just completely epic finish to what was already an epic class coming into the February Signing Day. We all know what happened in December in the early signing period, which was insane in itself. But then we add this group on top of that part of the class It's just... It's crazy, Kurt, and Kurt, I'm not sure I have the words really adequately described just how incredible this finish was. Can you help me out, man? Like, how would you describe what transpired today?
0: To me, I, I really feel like it was a vindication of like what, we, what Kirby Smart is and what he can accomplish. I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, last year we in, ended with a number three class, but it kind of felt like a letdown at the end because we didn't get who we wanted. So right. while it was a great class, you didn't get the true, full excitement from it. But with this class, the way we ended so strongly with pretty much hitting on all the targets other than maybe one that we wanted, I mean, we finished we finished early signing day, on, you know, on fire. And then we come out and finish the regular signing day like the way we did. I mean, I think it just shows like what to me, it kind of shows what Kirby Smart said, you know, at the press conference after the loss, you know, he was down everything. But one thing that really struck me was he was like, you know, we've shown that Georgia's not going anywhere. We're here to, we're here to stay. And I think that this signing day really proved it. I mean, he's not,
1: I don't think it was a fluke. I think we're, we're just reloading. Oh yeah, there, there's there's no doubt about, no doubt about that. And like the first word that come that came to mind for me when I thought about like when I was just kind of reflecting on the way we finished in this class, I the first word that came to mind for me was unbelievable. But then I thought about it a little bit more. I kind of tweeted this out to a couple people. I even though that was my first kind of natural reaction, there is it all that unbelievable? Because I feel like Kirby Smart's been closing like this for the better part of a decade. He's just now the head man. It's really not unbelievable.
0: I think it's unbelievable to us as Georgia fans, cause, right? Because what I, we were I, used to, about, for... we're so used to being let down. I mean, you, you honestly, as bad as it is, you look at Mark Rick. Um, he has two pe- two five star cornerbacks, one and two, one and two, in most places in his own backyard, and they go to other schools. Right. Um, and, and to me, and you know, I felt like that was just that was that was what we have been the last decade before this change.
1: Yeah, and it's and I love Marker. I mean, Marker was, was he did a, a very good job for us, uh, and is an amazing individual. But you're right. I mean, you, you said it the right way there. Most signing days for us, we kind of just got into this this rhythm, and this we just kind of kind of got accustomed to the, the idea that signing day was always gonna be a letdown, right? We always had good solid classes, but we always finished with a instead of finishing with a flurry, it was kind of a dud every year. You know, we missed on most of the big guys we wanted each and every signing day.
0: We would miss like we would get solid guys, but we miss on the program changers. Like this year, we you know right. you get Tyson Campbell. He's the type of guy that changes your secondary completely, and that's yeah. what we've been
1: missing. And we would all like we would always go all in. We put all our eggs in the basket of a few baskets there and try to get these guys under Rick. And then we'd always fall flat on our face and miss them on signing day. And then the backup options. Okay, now we're taking a, a two star or three star here. You know, we had I mean, Brittany Douglas late that one year because we missed on some guys on signing day, and Douglas was a solid saw, contributor, but, I mean, nothing spectacular. But I, We saw it a little bit last year, too.
0: I mean, we take, you know, um, Eric Stokes and stuff like that, who yeah. weren't high on our list for a while. So, I mean, you know, it, it's not like it hadn't changed right away, too. I mean, but we sure, also have fair. to win. When we, when we go out there and win and we show these guys, um, you know, that's the one thing I really – that i noticed with all of our recruits is they you know they say the way kirby presents everything that we actually go out and do it and i yeah. think that us actually showing them what we can do and how you can actually use them because we're starting to get the players that we want for our system and being able to implement what we really want to do it it, stri- it strikes the core of these recruits this much more because they finally actually understand and can see you know see a visual representation of what we want to do with them
1: i think you're absolutely spot on there and We'll get uh, even further into this recruiting conversation here momentarily. We'll be right back with it. Just want to, uh, before we get any deeper, just want to make sure we remind all of you guys out there uh, that you can follow us on Twitter, at Gloria underscore UGA. Appreciate everyone that, that interacts with us. And if you, if you haven't followed us and, and haven't quite bitten the bullet and, and, and shared your thoughts with us, no worries there. We, we love the interaction. We Promise we won't bite your head off. We uh, love the, the input and we definitely respect everyone's opinion. So feel free, don't be shy. Let us know what you think about this cycle, this class, and then the future of Georgia football, basketball, maybe even too. I don't know if there is a future there. We'll see. Uh, and also, want to make sure everyone knows where to find us. You can find us, of course, on dogsportsradio.com. You can download the Dogsports Radio app straight to your smartphone. that be the easiest way to get to us. Some of you guys I know prefer iTunes and SoundCloud. You can definitely get to us there and the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. And if you get a chance, I know time is precious, but if you get a chance, it would be awesome if you could rate and review the show, especially on iTunes. Uh, it definitely helps us as we continue to try to grow the show, uh, spread the word. We really appreciate that. I know a lot of you have already done that, and we are very grateful for that. But if you haven't, if you get a chance, that would definitely be awesome, and we would appreciate it. But uh, all right, Kurt. Now, now let's get back into the good stuff here. And uh, let's just kind of reset here from the, where we were at the beginning of the show. We kind of talked about how this felt and kind of how you describe this and again what a finish uh davis and Walthour were already committed but there were at least uh some rumors out there uh regarding Walthour's status and we didn't know if he was gonna exactly i don't know make the score And, and apparently those turned out to be unfounded at least it seems that way as of right now we'll see couple days here but uh, then we land tyson campbell uh out of american heritage in miami giving us the seventh five star according to the 247 composite you know if you look at rivals they got us at eight five stars but i, I go with the 247 composite because it's an average of all the the major recruiting platforms out there and all those services so according to 247 composite we got seven five stars with campbell making being the seventh uh he was number 12 Nash in the 247 composite uh And then, so we get him, which is huge. You mentioned that, correct? That's a huge, huge gift for us. Then we're not done. We flip another top 100 prospect in Otis Reese from Michigan. Then we flip Quay Walker, who I am way, I am way, I mean, I'm I'm incredibly high on this guy. um And he was actually, I know he wasn't quite a five star. According to the two four seven composite, Quay Walker was the second highest rated four star uh at number 31 in the country. So he basically missed out on being a five-star by two spots. So he's he's a borderline five-star prospect. So we flip him from Bama and then he publicly burns Tennessee by throwing that Tennessee hat across the room after initially putting it on. Uh, that put us at 25, which was supposed to be the new hard cap this year. But somehow we find a way to also add six foot five wide receiver from Texas a uh, four-star in Tommy Bush, potentially down the road to replace a guy like Javon Williams being that big target on the outside. So what, I mean, seriously, what a finish. But I want to take you back to, to May, June, July 2017. We did this a little bit after the uh, uh, early signing period, but I want to take you back to that one more time here. During the summer months of 2017, our class did not look like this, did it? No, not at all. It did not, and people were freaking out about it. I mean, we got questions for every mailbag show we did, every single one of them. We got questions about, oh my god, what's happening to this recruiting class? Are we, you know, should we be worried? Should we be concerned? Is this class ever going to start picking up? It got to the point where we kept getting that same question over and over. We just stopped answering because we'd answered it with every mailbag show. So it's like, okay, we don't want to be redundant here. But that was the general consensus out there. It was like, what, what's going on? Like. We had a we had a subpar first year in a Kirby Smart. It looks like the shine's kind of worn off. Like is is this kind of what we're going to expect going forward? Is it going to be a short tenure for Kirby? Is he going to be able to get this train on the tracks? We we didn't know at that time, and and I, I can't sit here and say I didn't have some doubts in my mind. I was trying to you know wait it out because I felt the season itself would be a, a really key point. But I can't sit here and say there were, there were no concerns on my part. I absolutely there were. Um, you know Justin Fields, we didn't know how that was going to roll. You know, any a lot of these guys we end up getting, we not even on the radar for us. So, Kirk, I guess the, the first question here, looking at those summer months and people freaking out about this recruiting class in 2018, how do you account for this dramatic reversal of fortunes?
0: Um, I think the biggest thing is we just started getting momentum. I mean, more or less, we, um, especially a lot of these big-time recruits. You saw it with Salier. I mean, you saw it last year uh, with Lawrence um, going into last year. But a lot of these coaches, a lot of teams are negatively recruiting against Kirby and then saying, you know, just wait and see. And we went out there and Kirby finally, you know, I mean, I think as a team we put it together. And I think that was the biggest telltale to sign to a lot of these kids was, hey, if you want to win a championship, you can come to Georgia.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I really think that's the key. And we kind of talked about this again a little bit after the early signing period and that recap show. But I, I think it bears mentioning again, I, I cannot emphasize how important this season was for this class and winning and doing it the way that we did it in dominant fashion, winning big-time matchups, high-profile games, playing in those games and playing well in those games. It was it was monumental for this class because that's really what – some of the, the higher-rated guys in this class, that's what they were waiting on, guys like Jamari Salyer, maybe even Justin Fields to to a lesser degree. A lot of these guys were waiting on, can Kirby do this? They want an answer to that question. Can Kirby Smart actually lead a program on his own, or is he just like a career defense coordinator? Because that was that was what was – happening behind the scenes. We are being negatively recruited against by by rival programs who are saying, Kirby's smart, he's a great assistant coach, but he's never done the big stage. Why don't you come here where it's a more proven place? Some guys that have done this before. Uh, and, and they can point to that first season, 8-5 and five early season, losing to Vanderbilt at home, losing to Tech at home the way we did. Just a really subpar first year. Uh, so you kind of understand there, why there might be some uncertainty in their minds and, and some concern there. But this season, we put it all to rest and then some. With with how we played and how we finished the season, now we didn't it didn't quite finish how we wanted it to, obviously. But the fact that that we pushed Bama to overtime, and you know, without you know, if there wasn't for a blown coverage and some horrific officiating, we would have won the national championship. When you see that, not only does it the guys that were already considering us and that were on the fence, not only does it push them over into our camp. But then you catch the attention of some other guys nationwide. A guy like Tyson Campbell out of Miami, who Miami was hard after. You don't. It's not easy to go in there and take guys out of Miami. Alabama was after him. We take him. We we get, get a guy out of, out of Texas and Tommy Bush. See so the deal with Quay Walker. Uh, we go get the top tight end in the country out of Illinois. Uh, I mean, just insanity going all across the country and closing on guys, getting. Uh, uh, Zamir White out of North Carolina, getting James Cook out of Miami again, getting Devon Wilson, Nadab Joseph, all these guys out of Miami. It's crazy. So that kind of allowed us to not only close the deal on some guys that were just waiting to see how we played, but then open the eyes of some other prospects that maybe we wouldn't have been in for otherwise, especially coming this the season. Something like, think about these guys, Nadab Joseph, okay, we, we weren't in it for Nadav, Nadav Joseph. Uh, Tyson Campbell, we weren't in it for him. I mean, these guys... Really got their eyes open by how we played the season, and Kirby and company were able to capitalize on I think it's, it's incredible. Uh, I guess the next question kind of goes along with this. With the way this recruiting cycle kind of played out, with the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of this recruiting cycle, and kind of the unique way it played out, did it teach you anything? Did you learn anything after going through this cycle about the recruiting business and how this is going to work under Kirby Smart for the next couple of years?
0: Not really, because I mean, I was one of these proponents that kept telling everyone just to calm down and let Kirby do his thing. I mean, he was well, he was the top recruiter, top recruiter for almost a decade when, at Bama. It's not like he just didn't know how to recruit or anything. I think, I mean, a lot of these people, a lot of the fans out there were just, you know, the sky is falling when one thing didn't go our way. Sure. And in reality, all we had to do was let him do his job. Um, you know, he got the team ready. They did well. And not only that, but he's a grinder. I mean, they're talking about the early signing period that he was not even really sleeping at home during it. That the only time he would sleep was on the plane going to and from recruits. He would get a power nap. And I, I
1: don't mean, think Kirby true. sleeps. I don't. I don't think he and, sleeps. And, I don't think he eats. I don't know what he does. He just – he recruits and he coaches. And
0: that, that's the type of person he is, and that's what people need to realize. You have to let him do his job. I mean, especially – think about when he's at Alabama all the time. You know, they would have high high classes, but then they would, they would close well. That's where they would kill us. We Always. We think, all right, we're going to get this guy. And all of a sudden, they'd land multiple five stars. They'd land all the top kids we want at the last second.
1: I mean, the only that's guys like, that I really remember us ever beating them out for late in the game was with the two guys in Valdosta, Malcolm true. Mitchell and Jay Rome. Those are the only two that I can really remember the top of my head where we Enjoy beat them head-to-head. That's it. Yeah, I guess Jordan Jenkins too, you're right, you're right So three guys out of that, a decade I mean, Other
0: than that, when it, came to the, when it came to the end Bama was one that always would win out And I think that's because, to me, to Kirby he, It's like a marathon to him I mean, how many times with us, especially the last decade, we would be high up on these kids, um, you know, they'd be like, oh yeah a favor in Georgia, then at the end, towards the end, they'd go visit Bama and things like that, and it would be over I mean, you saw it this year, alright, Quay Walker the very first weekend of January or first recruiting weekend, he goes to Tennessee all of a sudden you know, he's, he's Tennessee bound, it's all all Tennessee, this all see that, and what Kirby does, he secures the most important,
1: the final visit. He uses it, and he secures the kid's commitment. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. I I guess what I learned, and this is not, I mean, maybe I already knew this, but he just kind of emphasized and kind of brought yes. it home for me that after seeing how this this recruiting cycle played out, the ebbs and flows, starting kind of with a slower slower at the beginning, and then kind of building to what we got this crescendo here at the end. I, I just simply it was reinforced for me. That you just gotta trust in Kirby Smart. Trust the man. Right now, I, I trust him implicitly. It's just the
0: beginning for him. I know yeah. this is an amazing classic, and it really is just the beginning. Because while we were good, um, I think we can become that much better as we start getting the depth. You can already see, I mean, right now we signed two top 100 linebacker, inside linebackers to go along with Channing Tindall and the guys you signed last year. Right there, you know, we have some openings. While wow, you just create a ton of competition. You just create a competition at wide receiver. You still have it at the offensive line everywhere. You create competition. That's the thing going forward. The more he does that, the better we are going to be as a team. And once you get over that hump and then you, once you finally knock off Bama and you finally knock off the top dogs, then all of a sudden you are the top one.
1: We're, we're, that's our trajectory right now. There's no doubt about that. That is, that is wait, 100% One thing trajectory.
0: I want to say that helps too is as good as we were this year, Kirby also is one of these guys that shows that there's also improvements you could be made. I mean, you, you know when he's talking to Tyson Campbell, he says, look, we got to the championship. We are one good defensive back away from winning.
1: I said it earlier in our show last week we talked about the, the, the last five guys that were really trying to land here in these kind of finite spots. Uh, I'll say it again. If Tyson Campbell was playing for us, January eighth, we are national champions right now.
0: And also, got to I say, believe the it. One thing, the one thing I learned about him too is. Just the type of the way he recruits, because they're talking about one thing that he does specifically. Is you know a lot of a lot of people, a lot of coaches and stuff try to say, hey, you know, just come to Georgia, and, you know, or come to your specific school and just tell you how life is and everything. But Kirby Smart's one of these people they say that creates creates a, a image in your head that he shows you what life is like when you come to Georgia, how your future is going to be, how sure. how your life will will fall, you know, follow through and stuff, everything that's waiting for you in the future. And that's just the type of person he is. And I mean, you really. You know, we hated him when he was at Bama because he killed us. He was thorn in our side at all the times, and I think now that he's our coach, we're finally starting to actually, you know, witness and you know, admire, kind of admire at how good. Kind it of
1: admire he entirely to to. admire it. I'm eating this stuff up. You're but you're right. You know, actually, I, and I was, and I, there were moments where I, I, I said some things about Kirby when he was at Bama, really kind of related to him turning us down for the defense coordinator job which I, I totally understand why he did it but I was just pissed at the time hey you turned down your alma mater just pissed me off but hey Curry's my man now uh, and I, I again I just I I trust the man implicitly like I, I everything he does I trust him So yeah,
0: he's got a plan to play into everything I mean you, you don't realize it at the time but everything he does there's a reason
1: he is He's unbelievable in how he he structures his program, uh, how he how he demands greatness from his players, and not only his players but his coaches. How he holds guys accountable, uh, and he, you're right he's talking about the vision. He lays out vision for his players, for his coaches, and he makes sure they actually go about achieving that vision. It's just his managerial expertise. And I know it's so it's hard to say that, but I mean I, I think he's proven that in this past year. This guy is an expert in how to manage. A, a, a and this is essentially a company that's what it is it's an organization how to manage this organization in this program gets it, really he, he, he gets he gets it in every way every facet of his job he gets it whether it's recruiting whether it's coaching whether it's hiring coaches whoever whatever you're doing
0: he I mean, gets like, you it you know getting the extra facilities built he understands what yeah
1: fundraising is all of it he gets it kissing babies he gets it i mean in not all only of that
0: you you see it. I mean, all of a sudden, he's using pictures of you know Migos, the rap group. He's sending right. those out to recruits because recruits connect to them. And not only that, but then on the signing day, I think one thing that's not being talked about enough on signing days, we yeah, we go out and secure this class. But he also brings up he brings back to the program two solid coaches, including one great special teams coach.
1: I'm so glad we got Scott Fountain back, man. I am thrilled with that. I was actually upset that he left in the first place because I think he he played a big role in our special teams turnaround this year. There's no doubt about that. Coaching up the coaches, like Kirby said, uh, really great job behind the scenes and into some things I'm sure that we didn't even see because it was so much behind the scenes there. But it definitely had an impact on this program and be able to bring him back. That's that's I think going to be a really big key for us moving forward, kind of keeping up with the – the, the performance of the special teams like we saw this year so yeah I, he just he just gets it man I, I trust him implicitly at this point now hey, I guess he could he, he could lose my trust down the road but right now until he does something to to cause me to question what he's doing I, I trust the guy implicitly right now I absolutely One thing I want him to do I will say
0: too uh, my final thing I learned is that he, he wasn't kidding around when he says he's locking his state up because you saw Pruitt and share both. I mean, things got it was a, it was an all out battle for
1: Quay Walker, and in the end, Kirby. pretty oh, yeah. much Said it was my state. Yeah, we're gonna get into, we're gonna get into the Quay Walker conversation here in just a minute. But I, I now you brought up Jeremy Pruitt just for a second. You know, there are a lot of people uh, that were concerned about Tennessee hiring Pruitt. He's a great recruiter, and he he's also you know was brought up by Saban, so maybe he's gonna cut into what Kirby's doing on the recruiting trail. Uh, dude, it's not happening. I'm not saying he's not gonna get his fair share of guys here and there down the road. It was his first year in trying to salvage a recruiting list. I get that, but. The dude is not Kirby Smart. All right, let's let's just go ahead and establish that right now. He is not Kirby Smart. He's a great recruiter. He is he's going to get some guys. He will bring some players to, to Knoxville, but he is not Kirby Smart. He will not grind like Kirby Smart grinds. He doesn't get it. He's not as polished as Kirby Smart. He just simply doesn't get it like Kirby does.
0: The one thing that should, that proved that to me is these last two years. Um, Pruitt has had the Alabama name behind him because everyone said that Kirby was just good because he, he, you know, he was recruiting for Alabama. Well, Pruitt the last two years has had that Alabama pedigree behind him.
1: Well, okay, well, Kirby, Kirby was, was because he's recruiting for Alabama, but Kirby's the, him and Saban are the two that made Alabama Alabama. Well,
0: and, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, Pruitt, you know, then all of a sudden, well, you can say, all right, well, they Pruitt built this, that had, program. Yeah, he, he, you know, you sit there and say, well, Pruitt got the Alabama name behind him, but Kirby was still whooping his butt on the recruiting trail. Yes,
1: he was. Ben- he was benefiting off of what Kirby and Saban built. And it really was, let's be, I mean, Sabin, as a head coach, you can still do some things, but you're not you're not involved as much as the assistant coaches are. So Kirby was more involved in putting these recruiting class together at Alabama than anyone. Because yeah, you're seeing Saban now having to
0: take on more
1: of Yeah, you think that's the coincidental now that a couple years of Kirby Smart's been gone. Alabama you, is now not the number one recruiting class. And they, a pretty precipitous fall this year from number one to barely in the top 10. More.
0: I was going to say, I don't even think they finished in the
1: top five. I've, no, they didn't. I've got it right, as of right now, I've got to pull it. According to the 247 composite, Alabama is number seven in the country. Which is great, but that's the thing is that's what we used to finish as, right? This is the beginning, and we'll see if it continues on. But this is a reversal of fortunes. We used to be the team that would finish in the fringe top ten, and BAM was always cleaning up at number one. We were close, but not not really that close. And now, at least for one year, those fortunes have been reversed. The key is, can we continue this trend?
0: The thing that killed me was, or I don't know, I mean, I'm not trying to hate on it, but you see that Saban's over there having the, you know, they made a big deal of him, you know, how cool he is. He's dancing at a recruit's house with some music and stuff. Okay. But when when would Saban ever actually have to go out and do that for a three-star?
1: <laughs> Never.
0: I thought Never. that was the biggest thing, you know. Yeah. I, I, that's the, that's the irony of it. That's what I was saying. At first, I thought, man, oh, that's a five-star. You know, he's trying to be the cool guy. Then you look closer, you're like, this no. is a three-star. Like, he's actually yep. having to work for
1: that. Yep, absolutely. 100%. It's it's it is at least for one year a reversal of fortune. So you just got to see if we can continue see, building on this. I
0: mean, for the, for a lot of these people, you also see that we're we're already number one in 2019, and for we now. And, and we still have a lot of guys. There I'll,
1: I'll say that I know look, I love the guys that we sign right now, and they're and we got some beast. But uh, yeah, Nolan Nolan right. Smith, Nolan Smith might be the best prospect we'll ever sign, besides maybe Herschel Walker. Like that guy is a prospect is insane. Like he's, well, I he's crazy say, I, think, I think Hazel Hazelwood program Hazelwood, program. Is I think Hazelwood is Hazelwood is AJ Green-esque so you got yeah, those I mean, two guys already and then you got Dominic Blaylock we got Ryan I always have trouble saying his name but Ryland Goode however you say his name today out of Kennesaw Mountain Uh got
0: the linebacker I forget
1: his yeah, name yeah J.C. Bertram you got him uh, so I mean, you're, you're more than likely to get Tresman Marshall and, and it looks like Owen Popo is a, a very real possibility which for years like Owen Popo wasn't paying us any attention then Kirby gets on board all of a sudden now we leave for Popo. And uh, I
0: also think the biggest thing too is we, we know or we're seeing how good of a recruiter is Kirby is, but I think one thing that goes undervalued is how much he's coached up these guys. Roquan was good, but when Kirby got here and got yeah. him into his system with Schumann and all these people, a lot of these kids took off. I mean, you see Isaiah Wynn. Win was I mean Win was
1: started. Wynn might be a first round pick, which is That's insanity. Coming into this season, would you have ever in your wildest dreams guessed that a first round I, I pick? I would
0: have said he'd be lucky to get drafted. You
1: would, if I would have told thing. you that, you would have laughed me out off the show.
0: I would have laughed at you. And I think that's the biggest thing is you see how well he's coached up these players that he can go and say, look, these kids were good. And that's hire coaches to happy. also
1: help coach them up. Hire the right guys. We don't yeah, have a Will Friend anymore coaching the offensive line. I mean, yeah, you heard it with Cade Mays. Cade Mays said, um,
0: you know, he, he might have given Tennessee another chance. But when he saw that they hired Will Friend and they looked at the resume of him compared to Pittman, he said there was no question.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absurd what we're doing right now. Uh, and, God, I just – I want to win one of these, man. I want I, – it's, it's great to win the Recruiting National Championship. That's fantastic. We and, heard Kirby But we got to yeah. win one of these natties. We got to win and, one of these.
0: Yeah, Kirby in his press conference said, you know, I would trade this number one uh, ranking for one – uh, for the college football playoffs at the end of the season, number one.
1: Yeah. I mean, and talk about some of the coaches he put in place here, because I mean Kirby's doing a fantastic job. There's no doubt about it. It's not just him, though. He, yeah. now, a big part of this is, like I said, him hiring the right guys. But if you look at the two four seven composite 2018 recruiter rankings, they rank, they rank the recruiters based on the guys that they that they sign. And again, it's it, it's tough to do because you know multiple guys guys are being recruited by multiple coaches. You usually have like a lead coach, so but it's hard to kind of measure that. But still, they do their best with it. And Dell McGee uh, finished number one this year. Sam Pittman came in at number four Glenn Schumann came in at number nine so we got three of the top ten according I to 247 like Composite enough recruiters enough. in the country on Kirby Smart's staff
0: and you also have James Coley who's not getting enough attention because Absolutely. I feel like without him we don't get an Nadab or Tyson
1: and him and well, <laughs> one of those things is is, is and Coley, Coley and Mel Tucker spent so much time this year in South Florida. Because that's where Coley's – he's got ties in South Florida. Yeah, Coley, and it Coley, paid Coley
0: helps off. McGee land – or helps uh, Dell land uh, Cook because South
1: Florida. I'm, yeah, 100%. I mean, Coley comes in the top 20. He landed number 19 in the recruiting rankings. Uh, and I think his value might be a little undervalued there. Uh, but still, so we got four guys in the top 20, three in the top 10. So they, those guys deserve a ton of credit. They're the ones beating the trail – you know, week in and week out. Kirby can only spend so much time at high schools and with prospects. He can be on the phone with them and all that stuff, which he is uh, all the time. But it, in terms of those guys going out and visiting schools, visiting these players, these are the guys that are pounding the pavement, and they did a heck of a job, and they deserve a ton of credit. But again, you got to also mention that Kirby brought these guys in. He evaluated, he doesn't just evaluate players, he does a great job of evaluating coaches and coaching talent, which is a key part of this, and it's an underrated aspect of this. All right, well, let's, uh, now we kind of look at the big picture, let's talk about uh, some of the guys that we picked up today. Zero in on these prospects themselves. And, of course, we're going to start with Tyson Campbell. Uh, he's the first big name that we picked up today, uh, the 7th five-star, according to the 247 composite rating, uh, number 12 player in the country. Uh, he's got some position versatility. He plays sa- he, He's listed as a cornerback, but he plays safety a lot for his high school there, American Heritage. He plays a little corner as well. But looks predominantly, if you look, at, look at his tape. plays predominantly safety. What kind of what do you see in Tyson Campbell? Because I know you're really big and really high on him right now. What is it about him that that has you so high on his his uh, his potential down the road?
0: The thing about him is he has the hits and everything to for the that plays the very very back.
1: fluid, very fluid guy for his size, it's a guy not, that's that I mean, tall. Not only
0: that, but he's fast. I mean, yeah, oh,
1: he's insane. His speed, the closing speed in particular. Just,
0: the closing speed, and not only that, he has length. I mean, he's he's not the six four like speed, but he's got long arms. I mean, right now long. he is he is as close to a shut down corner that's polished. I mean, we talked about how long speed is, but the difference is Campbell is long, but he's polished. He is yeah, way this pro, guy's more
1: j- than j- about just as long. Maybe speed might be a tad bit longer, but not by much. But Campbell's got so many other tools coming into college that speed might not have had. Is just more like you said, more polished than the mere speed was coming into college, right? There's no See, doubt that there. Thing,
0: yeah, hit the, the way he's been coached up, I think that's what makes him so – He, in all honesty, he is going to push for one of these defensive back positions year one.
1: I have, I, actually fully expect him to. And yeah. I, I, rea- I I, don't like to put expectations on, on some of these freshmen. You just don't know who's ready, who's not in level competition. But this guy comes from a legit program in Miami, a, a story program, American Heritage High School, very – uh, very, very prominent program down there in South Florida. Really good coaching, like you said. Uh, so this guy, he, he plays at a high level in, in high school. Miami football, I mean, that's, that's some legit football down there. Uh, so he's playing at a high level. He's not like one of these guys that's just beating up on little sisters of the poor in high school. It's really hard to kind of evaluate their their ability. You can see it on film, but he's also playing against really high-level competition. Uh, so I think he will be ready to compete. I mean, it looks like DeAndre Baker's probably going to be the odds on favorite to have one of those spots. Uh, but that other spot is gonna be wide open. Yeah, you got Tyreek Jeez. McGee coming back, but I mean, and he'll have, he'll get a first long look, McGee but star, honestly. yeah, he might absolutely. I mean, Cam, I mean, and Campbell's got like I said, he's got versatility. He could play safety if we needed him to. Uh, I, I think he he fits better as a corner. I think in long term, it's where we want him, but he, he can move around based on the needs in the defensive backfield and, and kind of mix, mix mixing and matching with the personnel we already have back there, trying to get the best guys out there on the field get the best combination. but
0: Especially, it's depending on how Gibbs comes back, I mean, very well McGee and Speed could be competing for the quarterback position, sure. which opens up the star position for, you know, gives Campbell a chance. Because, I mean, as good as some of the other players we have on the roster right now, I don't think we have the people to have the tang- tangibles that he has.
1: Yeah, I just, I mean, and I, we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. We'll see how it plays out, but I, I'm with you 100% here in thinking that Tyson Campbell is going to have a legitimate shot <laughs> And I fully expect him to compete for one of those spots in the secondary. And I, he might not start right away, but he's, this guy's going to play. I, I would be stunned if he play. doesn't play.
0: I mean, he, there's, there's
1: no red shirt about him. He's going yeah. to get. I'd to be stunned team. if he doesn't play, unless there's like an injury or something. But a non-injury situation, I'd be stunned if he does not play a, a good fair amount at least. And and I, I, I I'm not gonna say I'd be stunned if he doesn't start because you just can't, it's hard to predict that as a freshman. But this guy, I really think like he's going to play some. I really do. With the holes that we have there, uh, and, and just what he can do with his versatility and playing different positions in the defensive backfield. I think this guy's got a legit shot to play some serious downs for us next year. Uh, he's also got great ball skills too is another thing that's, that's un, underrated. He's, he's not, he's one of those guys, he's not a Deion Sanders type that's afraid to hit. He will, he'll, he'll mix it up. He will hit people, uh, which is something that you, that you got to do at this level. There, there's no doubt about it. So huge pickup for us, filled a massive hole. Cause I mean, as, as much experience as we had in the secondary last year, we just weren't overly talented there. We, we we just weren't. All right, and I love those guys. I do. I love Dom Sanders, and and, I, and Malcolm Parrish is a great guy. And we we've talked about his his shortcomings all year. Tyreek McGee played well at times, but we did not. We don't. We we didn't have anyone even remotely as talented as Tyson Campbell. Right? Is that fair to say? Yeah. That's not even close. And, and you say Richie LeCount, but he didn't play a ton. Uh, and he's he's got the, that level of talent, but uh, he didn't play a ton. Like you know Sanders and perishing those guys uh all right next guy that we picked up is a guy we weren't sure uh that that we were gonna get you know he's committed to michigan for a while for a long time uh and we weren't sure he was gonna be a take you know if we get quay walker you're gonna take reese and walker you're not sure you and i were both on record last week saying that ideally we would take them both you make room for both these guys but i didn't know if that was gonna be reality or not but it it turns out that we do land otis reese out of lee county uh here in the state of georgia uh what do you see in 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 otis reese what kind of prospect is this guy does he deserve the okay. ring, a top 100 ranking that he has?
0: Yeah, to me, the thing about Reese is it doesn't matter where you play him. The fact is he's a mauler. In my opinion, he's, he's, he's your enforcer. Anywhere you go or wherever he plays, he's going to deliver the deliver the big hit. And I think the thing about him, he's never going to be – if you play him in the defensive backfield or whatever, he's never going to be afraid to hit you. And the one thing I think I can see him doing where I think he could be dangerous is if he was put on a little bit of weight, moved to the inside, I think he'd be deadly on third down passes situations covering anybody.
1: Where do you see him playing? Because that's the question. Cause, right, he's played DB his entire high school career, essentially. But he's already pushing 210, 215 pounds, possibly even. So you I imagine in a weight train, in a weightlifting him. program in college, he's going to put on some weight. And he might be, he might outgrow being a DB. So like, I don't know. Where do you see this guy playing long term?
0: I think they'll try to start him at the star position to bring him along, depending on how quickly he bulks up. I mean, if he comes in at 240 or something around that, then they have to start him at the inside line. Inside linebacker, But if he keeps his weight down while they try start trying to bulk him up, they may put him at star, at star or something to get reps to work on, you know, um, honestly just coming up and attacking in the, the uh, run situation yeah. and coverages to also just work on your coverages so by the time that he does move into maybe an inside linebacker role that he's used to playing closer to the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, I, I just – I don't know. He, he's – I don't know where he fits right now. He's, he's kind of a tweener. He's listed – at 6'4", 206. Now, if you look at it, I think he's a little heavier than 206 right now. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how recent those measurements are. I'd put him more around 210, 215, somewhere right now. But uh, right now, he, he does have the size. If he stayed where he is, he could definitely play safety, and he could definitely 100% play star. He'd be an enforcer at the star position. And he kind of does that a lot when he, in high school for Lee County, what he did. He, he was basically a box safety. That's what he was. He played in the box. Uh, he was not there covering guys deep down the field you know and, and you know the deep half of the field that's not what he was doing he was playing down the box almost like an extra linebacker and and you're right he absolutely brings the lumber he arrives with bad intentions I mean, this guy just saws people in half uh, not always the, the 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 best form in his tackling Nice just kind of he has this tendency to kind of just lay shoulders into people but he hits you so hard at least at the high school level those guys go flying and we'll see if that can continue at the at the, at the collegiate level i don't know about that but I mean, there, it's feasible that he could put on 20 pounds by the time next season rolls around and be 225, 230. And that's, I don't know, is, is that size too big to, to be covering guys in the star, at star and potentially a safety?
0: Um, it just depends on how, you know, I mean, you can see people can still have their speed. Yeah, It just depends on how he keeps his speed. I mean, but at the same time... Yeah guy like
1: Landon Collins is a big safety. Yeah, you know, a guy like that. So, I don't know. You're right, it, it, it's it hard. If he
0: could, I mean, if at the same time, you gotta figure out if... If he puts his weight on, can he get off the blocks as a linebacker? I think the biggest thing is, like you said, he doesn't have a defined position right away. He can play multiple places, but the thing was, I think overall, he's a prospect that you just couldn't pass up because he. You gotta take offers. him. You
1: gotta take him. You got yeah. You gotta take him. He. he he has great athleticism, and he has all the tools. So you've got to take a guy, especially an in-state guy like this, with his athletic, yes, athletic ability. I think you you
0: can teach him to play sure. different positions.
1: Well, it's one of these guys you get you get them on the roster, you get him on you get them into Athens, and you figure out where you're playing. You figure out what what they're best at, because uh, we don't we don't know. Coaches don't exactly know. They might have a, I'm sure they have a plan, but they don't really know exactly how his body's going to grow. We don't know. That's hard to predict. So I could see him playing inside linebacker, safety, star. I I think long term he's going to play inside linebacker. I think that's where he's going to be kind of slotted. I, I just I don't see him sticking at the way he's at right now, and it's hard for me to imagine him not you know, getting in the college weight program and the nutrition program. It's hard for me to imagine not seeing this guy at 225 plus. And if he's at that weight, I, I, I see him moving more towards inside linebacker, but we'll have to see how his body grows. I will say, I mean, well, let me ask you this. If, if indeed he does play inside linebacker, we, we don't know, but if he does end up playing inside linebacker in the ro- down the road, that's where we kind of have plans for him. How confident are you in him playing that position? Because this, that's, that's that would definitely be a a, a new position for him.
0: Um, I confidence I think our guys can coach him up I mean you saw with Alec Ogletree you know works himself into a first round draft pick um and I still think I think um with Schumann and Kirby I think Schumann's actually the one thing I think that's undervalued about him is how well of a teacher he is I mean he heard it um, one of the big things that you heard people talk about when we first hired him all the people from Alabama says Reggie Rag one of the things talked about how you know when they were younger, they struggled understanding the Alabama offense. They would go to Schumann, and he would literally sit there and teach them, like a student, everything they would do, and they were able to understand it through there. So I think that if anyone was going to be the the right person to get him into that position and understand what he has to do, I think Schuman's the right person for that job.
1: That dude is a... Star in the making, Glenn Schumann.
0: Yeah, I mean he just, he just under, I mean, he just understands football. I mean, him and Kirby think just like, I think that's why they're so close. I think that's why Kirby keeps him so close, like a protege, because he sees himself in him, and I think that's what makes him so valuable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, talking about Reese and the linebacker, I do trust our coaching staff to, to get him ready. I, I do think there'll be a little bit of a learning curve there, maybe some growing pains if he does indeed end up playing line, inside linebacker. Because you're right in saying that he brings the lumber and sauce people in half. He absolutely does. Uh, but there's more to playing linebacker than just hitting really hard. That's like that's awesome, but there's way more to that technically you know, in terms of taking on blocks, sifting through traffic between the tackles, you know, actually tackling with proper form and not just relying on these, these shoulder hits where you're flying at people. Uh, it, it being able to rip, dip, and rip. There's a lot that goes into it, coil and strike. There's a lot that goes into it that, that he hasn't shown that he can do. I'm not saying he can't do it. It's kind of what I said last week. I He, he very well can do it. I just... I haven't seen the guy do it yet. So I, there's a little bit of, of, of uncertainty there on my part. I, he has, But the thing is, I'll say this, like you like you said, Kurt, he does have the athleticism. He has every tool you could ever want. It's just a matter of him just kind of learning the, the more technical aspects of playing that position if he in, does indeed end up playing there, which with our coaching staff, I'm with you. I, I, I have full faith in them getting him ready to do that, no doubt. All right, and then let's move on here. To Quay Walker from Crisp County, borderline five star, just barely missed out on being a five star on two four seven composite. I would have him as a five star. I, mean, I think the guy is a a beast. I think he is a monster in the making. Uh, before we get into kind of breaking down his game, let's. Hit, I'm sure all of you saw this. His announcement. You know, he puts on the hat first. He puts on the Tennessee hat, then immediately takes it off and slings it violently across the room. Uh, then puts rips off his shirt. He's got a Georgia shirt, Georgia, Georgia polo underneath. He puts on the Georgia hat. Kerr, how did you feel about that announcement? Um,
0: you the know, way
1: that went I, down.
0: At first, I wasn't sure, but I got to say, the way he did it, I think there was some anger in there. I mean...
1: Yeah, uh, and let's let's talk about that for a second. Now, this is... Uh, okay, rumor alert. Okay, this is an unsubstantiated rumor. You might have heard the same thing, right? About Jeremy Pruitt. Are we talking... Uh, you, being an, uh, a, a jerk about... That. Yeah, so... Uh, and again, rumor. I can't speak with. I heard this is secondhand, but just I, some people that I trust have indicated that the reason because you're right. You know, it kind of struck me because you see people, like, you know, pull a, a fast one. They they wanted to deceive people. You see that, but like he he chucked. That hat, like you, could, it was an angry, violent yeah, chuck. Yeah, it was. It wasn't.
0: There wasn't. It was all anger. You see him right,
1: just like and so it, I, it, yeah. I was kind of taken aback when I was watching. Like, whoa, I mean, like, oh, I'm like, oh, Tennessee. Then, oh, yes, yeah, Georgia. But like, whoa, dude, like he, like there's some, there's something behind that, and and again, just a rumor. Don't don't take my word for it here, but uh, what I have heard about this situation is that uh, allegedly. When he called Jeremy Pruitt to inform him of his decision that he was going to be coming to Georgia, taking his talents to Athens, that Pruitt hung up on him. Is that what you heard? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, or some, and something to that effect. Now, it,
0: pretty, much, pretty much that – either way, it just seems like the fact of the matter was that Pruitt – That
1: Pruitt was, didn't it take really it well. It. He was a jerk about it. Whether he hung up on him or said something to him, it just seems like Pruitt didn't take it well and didn't take it professionally, which, huh – Jeremy Pruitt not act that's professional? Huh. Like, it's, it's a rumor, but the thing, the it just the fits, matter, it, it fits the the what we know about Jeremy Pruitt being a hothead.
0: fits what's being said about him and that's been the knock on him is how, how much of a
1: hothead he is. I mean, he gets run out of Florida State essentially. Uh no one was no one really missed him we ran out of Florida State. We were happy to take him, But no one really missed him at Florida State if you would have talked to those guys. And when when Kirby came on board, there's a reason that he didn't stick around, all right? And and this, so this kind of fits that, right?
0: Yeah, I mean that's always been a knock is his anger. He's a hothead. And I and I think – I mean I don't know exactly if that was true or not, but it, either way, it, it would not shock me and I would not be yeah. – If
1: you just put he, the pieces he, together, that, there, there it, seemed to be something like behind that. Walker's violent throw of the hat, and then you factor in Pruitt's background, his reputation, the hothead nature that, that he's kind of shown over the years. Well, and it how, fits. De- how,
0: how desperate he was to get
1: him. Sure, yeah. When he's trying to piece the other class, and he and let's be real, Quay Walker would have be been the centerpiece of that class for Tennessee. There's see, no doubt. The thing, he that's the He would
0: have probably been
1: their best prospect. Definitely would have been their best piece,
0: prospect. In the middle middle yeah. towards the, the top
1: 40. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look, well, let me pull it up here. So, according to the 247 composite uh, of the guys, let's see. Well, they signed the letter. So he would have been behind Fields, White, Mays, Cox. That's four. Uh, then he would have been behind Salyer. That's five. Campbell. That's six. Anderson. That's seven. So he was our eighth rate, eighth highest ranked prospect in this class, according to the two four seven composite. Where he would have been Tennessee's clear number one player in this class. So it, it, it all kind of fits there. So I guess that I understand why he did that. If that, if that's true, I will say, however, I don't like the look. Um, I really don't. I I, I don't like the whole in general I don't like the whole look at me stuff like I don't really like the the, the announcements like that. I understand they want their moment and I get them let's give the give it to those guys but in general like when you try to like when you want to make your announcement, that's fine. Make your announcement. But I don't like the disrespecting of other teams and programs. because, yeah,
0: I mean, they were, they were, all, they
1: were after you. They were yeah, they spent a lot of time on, and money shop. on you. And I get that. If, if Pruitt was a jerk like, he might, like I've heard, I get the frustration and the anger And it you're 18 years old. Feelings. I don't yeah, think and you're 18 years me. old, and, he, and he's probably fresh off. It probably happened just shortly before the announcement, so it's fresh yeah, in his mind. But they, I just they, don't, they don't mean, like the... The disrespecting of other programs. I would honestly, it's also, it goes back to the old golden rule. I wouldn't like it if somebody did it to us. I don't like us doing it to other teams. You know.
0: Oh yeah, I agree. I think it's it, it just like you said. I think it was a because he said he he figured it out last night about two or three a.m. So it wouldn't shock me. If the call was made last night, hey, this is where I'm going, and he it, it just pissed him off, and that's what he thought about all night was how to get back at him.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I I'm not, he's an 18 year old dude, so I, you, we, I, I didn't make the best decisions when I was 18. He's 17. He's seven. That's right. He's 17. So like, I, I definitely didn't make the best decisions when I was 17. Uh, I didn't have an opportunity to do it because I wasn't good enough to do it how he did it. Um, but yeah, I just I wish that we wouldn't do things like that. I like, you know, I, I use the word class. Uh, I know that's kind of relative, but. Uh, just it wasn't. I don't know if it's necessarily the best look for our program. I know we and a lot of guys are eating it up. Hell, you know, it's the rivals, we hate Tennessee. And I hate Tennessee too, guys. I hate it as much as anybody. Trust me on that. But the one, the I don't like the disrespect. I say, if it, if it was any fan base to do it to, they definitely deserve it with the way they they acted after Nick Chubb injury and the Kate Mays. I mean, if anyone deserved it, it was. Oh, them. there were Tennessee fans on message boards and on Twitter saying they hoped he tore every knee, every ligament in his knee. I'm like, dude, just. And that's the suck. It's like we saw from the, the frats of Tennessee when when we came back to play Tennessee this year. It's like, dude, just y'all are straight trash. Just I'm sorry. Not every Tennessee fan, but a lot of them are. Let's just be real. Um, Alright, and so before we get into again, one more question about Quay before we get into his 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 skill set here. His recruitment was, in my opinion, kind of a microcosm of the of our 2018 cycle as a whole. You know what I mean? Like, cause kind of like we talked about how the 2018 cycle was kind of up and down, there were ebbs and flows. I kind of feel like Quay Walker. His his individual recruitment was that way for us, where we were in it, we were out of it. We were, you know, we, we were. He, he was really high on us at first, and we were completely out of it. And like there were rumors that we, we, there was no way Quay Walker was going to be in this class, especially after what happened. Marcavius Bryant, Big Cat Bryant, going to Auburn, and then all of a sudden, you know, this fall, late in the fall, we get back into it with him, and of course, we end up landing him. So I kind of see it as a microcosm of this recruiting cycle as a whole for us. But how do you explain how we were able to end up? Flipping Walker from Alabama, holding off Tennessee in their late push, and ultimately landing him. How did this happen?
0: I gotta say, I think the the, the thing is, you just it's it's a grind. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. You got to stay on these. But
1: kids. It, 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 didn't it kind of seem like a, 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 for a time there, like we were completely out of it. He like wasn't even considering us. So how did we get back in the picture?
0: Well, I think the biggest thing is I think it was a mutual it was a decision we made because he said, like, you know, at the signing day last year, a couple weeks after that, you know, he kinda eliminated us but he said he hadn't heard from us in a while and I think that was more of a decision Kirby made because of who was the coach at the yeah, time. Yeah,
1: do you think any of this had to do with there's some remnants left over from how the recruitment of Marcavius Big Cat Bryant went down last year and ended up going to Auburn and maybe there was some insinuations that maybe his coach was kind of pushing him maybe not maybe to Auburn just at least not to Georgia do you buy into yeah, that I, think there were some, I do I
0: think there's some hard feelings because if there wasn't then why all of a sudden did we jump back on Quay's you know jump back go, go so hard after Quay when their
1: coach leaves I do think and maybe it was their coach maybe it wasn't I do think there were some influences trying to push him away from Georgia for a while that were at that school and then once those and so it's, it's just too coincidental like when those influences were there then uh, we basically stopped recruiting that school and stopped recruiting Quay more or less. As he even said like George had, he hadn't heard from Georgia in a while. And so I think we were, I think our coaching staff was kind of rubbed the wrong way with some of the stuff that went down behind the scenes. I'm not saying he got paid or anything, but with Bryant, just the way he kind of got pushed, maybe potentially somewhere else. Uh, the people in his ears, right? There's some people in his ear, some some influencers there, uh, and so I think that kind of rubbed Kirby the wrong way, kind of how that went down. So I think he kind of pulled back. Uh, from Quay there for a while because he was just kind of, he felt burned by how that situation went down. But then also maybe those influences and those those word, those guys, people speaking into the ears of Quay Walker, uh, maybe they weren't at the school anymore or uh, weren't around. So Kirby kind of reopened the, you know, he kind of looked at the big picture and said, okay, now I'm going to get back in it with this, kind of open the door back for us there. And when you don't have some influence kind of working against you, huh, it's funny how that starts to work again, right?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if you hear it too, it's, when you find out, well, what went on recruiting. I find it interesting that uh, Jeremy Pruitt supposedly contacted that ex coach trying to get him to, you know, get back.
1: And play. Yeah, that was, and I can't confirm that happened. That was, that was another rumor flying around. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But I, I, I heard that one as well um, from pr- some pretty reputable sources. Um, but I, I can't confirm that firsthand. But I did hear that. So I mean, and that's uh, again sounds like something Pruitt probably do being desperate down the stretch uh so i don't know I, i'm just however it went down i you know I, I honestly i didn't this is the one guy i wasn't sure we would get i thought tennessee would probably end up landing him i really did i thought it'd be close uh did it worry you at all that during his official visit last weekend kirby left during like at, during like around seven o'clock that night and went to go visit otis reese and go watch his uh his senior night basketball game did that kind of worry you at all it would have if it hadn't been.
0: If it had- but the way they set it up they said that um he even said that saturday he spent most of the time with his host and tyler park people like that so i think it would have worried me more if it had been a friday when kerry right. really make the impact and takes yeah. out for dinner saturday he doesn't really spend as much time with him so i think that's what made me feel yeah. a little bit more there were a lot of Walker.
1: people that were kind of wringing their hands over that like oh my god you know the sign- obviously that kirby's going to see uh otis reese while while quay walker's on official visit." That's that's. Telltale sign that we're not getting Walker. And I, I said maybe, but not necessarily because I think you have to understand how recruiting visits, how official visits work. It's not like the, the head coach spends 48 hours straight with these guys. That's just not how it works. Most of the day, on, especially the evening on Saturday, these guys are hanging out with with hosts, right? They're going downtown. They're going to parties, that kind of thing, getting the experience of Athens. They're not with the coach. They're not He's not holding his hand the entire time. So just because he went to visit Reese, I didn't necessarily think that threw us out of the equation. It was kind of like, huh, all right, well, I'm wondering what this means. But – I don't think it necessarily means – or obviously didn't mean that we uh, did not feel good about our chances with Quay Walker there. All right, let's talk about Quay, the prospect. What kind of – what do you see in him that makes this guy? Because I think he's a, I think he should be a five-star. According to 247, he's a borderline five-star. He's just barely missed out. What gives him that high ranking? Obviously, I think it's his versatility. You, see, um, you heard it. if You listened
0: to uh, his interview. Um, specifically, he gave someone a rivals interview. And he talked about, you know, he said that um, at Georgia, he's going to, you know, first and second down, he's going to play inside linebacker or on the inside. And third yeah. down, he can move to the outside. And that's really what he is. I mean, he's, he's type of guy he's the type of guy that's so versatile, so quick at what he can do. Um, he, he's allowed you to, possibly in a third down situation, move to the outside. He's the type of guy Because where... he
1: played outside linebacker most of the time for Chris County.
0: Yeah, and see the, what he does. He's the type of guy that, especially in a true passing situation where you see teams will pull one of your big D linemen, move either an outside linebacker or someone to one of the DM positions, and move maybe like you saw some, sometimes where we move a, one of our DBs into the other linebacker position. He gives us the versatility where
1: he's still big enough and fast enough that he can move to the line on third down situations and get pressure. Yeah, I, I, then, and then I think he's another guy. You talk about the versatility of a guy like. Like Campbell, but Quay Walker has that versatility, that positional versatility as a linebacker. He, he can play inside, which I think is where he'll play long term, like you said, first and second down. But he does have the pass rushing ability to rush uh, off the edge on third down and be a, a, another guy to get more speed. It's great when you can get you can have a guy that's that quick and and fast and can cover and also rush the passer. It gives you so much versatility in what you can do defensively. I mean, I can imagine Mel is just licking his chops for what he can do with a guy like Quay Walker. But uh, he has played a lot of outside linebacker, has played inside as well. Um, he he has all like I said that Otis Reese has all the tools to be a really good inside linebacker he, at, athletically he absolutely does but here's the thing with Quay Walker this is why I'm a little higher on Walker than I am Reese Walker has all the tools like Reese has but he also has the instincts and experience at that position so it's more of a, a natural fit for him I think he'll he'll be there's not as much of a learning curve. For Walker, I don't don't see there being as much of one for him. Uh, He does a great job doing what linebackers do, striking blockers, getting his hands on them first, then disengaging, very instinctive. Uh, Reeds plays well. Uh, He's crazy. At 6'4", 235 already, there's no concern about him putting on enough weight to play inside linebacker. This guy's going to play linebacker. And he's crazy athletic at that size already. I mean, he is a true uh, prototypical Alabama-style linebacker. Ruben Foster, Rolando McClain, those type guys, right? Yeah. I mean, he is already, he is that type of guy. And, and that's uh, one of the feature spots like Roquan was this year for us of this Kirby Smart, you know, Mel Tucker, Alabama, former uh, Nick Saban, whatever defense you want to call it. So I am very high on Quay Walker. I mean, this guy, I think he's another guy that's going to compete for playing time year one. I really do. Uh, I know you've got, uh, hopefully, it looks like Nature has going to be coming back and you can stay out of trouble. But that other spot, is, I know we got some guys that played some this year, Romani Rice and Jawan Taylor. I know we got Nate McBride on campus and Chain Tindall's coming in. Uh, I think Walker's going to definitely be in the mix for that. I think Tyndall and Walker will be in the mix. I don't know if they'll win the job or, or be starting right away, but man, uh, you can't count this guy out. He's he's that good. He's that talented. And the last guy we end up landing, a guy that I wasn't, I didn't, I thought we were done after Walker because you know that's put us at twenty five. We thought it was a hard cap, but apparently we were going to go to twenty six and we signed Tommy Bush, a six foot five wide receiver out of out of texas held off a late push by university of texas there uh and we end up landing him I, it looks like we're probably how do how, how do we make room for this guy? are we gonna gray shirt somebody because i mean i don't know how we get around this outside of gray someone um it's either
0: back counting or something i think that's a one can, but that.
1: i don't know if we have room to back count for last year the way i calculate i don't think we have room
0: well what i'm Interested in is if Kirby is trying to back count someone else to the class before that and then potentially back, back. if no, he's going I mean, yeah. back multiple years trying to back count use.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I don't have the answer. answer. It had, I mean, I'm sure our coaches would not take unless they had a plan. Yeah,
0: well, yeah that's I just it. don't know what the plan is. They wouldn't have just taken it because I would screw a kid over. Yeah. And I have, have, like we said, I have faith in Kirby. And to me, what makes him so good too, like we said, is his, you know, CEO type stuff. And that comes in with the roster management. I mean, he has said that roster was one of our biggest problems when he got here. And that's, you can see how he manages our roster.
1: Oh, you mean like when we had like 60 scholarship players in the 2012 SEC title game in Spama? Not like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had a few roster problems. Uh, and, and maybe there's a situation where our coaches know something about one of the prospects and their grades, and and, under, and don't think they're going to qualify, and they want to they want to sign them and place them somewhere, kind of like what we did with Devonte Wyatt. Maybe it's a situation like that, so we have room for Tommy Bush. I don't know what it is, but we signed the guy. Uh, so what what do you see in Tommy Bush's game? Um, just intangibles that you can't teach. I think that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is
0: uh, you know, his height, and you know, most guys that are that tall aren't very fast usually. No, he's but got hey, good that, speed. Yeah, and that's the thing about him. He has speed that most guys that big don't have, and I think that's the one. Like I said, you can't teach that. Yeah. Um, you can coach coach him up on the other the small things, but um, he's just one of those prospects. Like I said, I mean, when you can match him up with what when you've already got land. Imagine if you have him, Landers, um, in Hazelwood. All if you had all three of them, how,
1: oh you can't stop. You couldn't. You. Yeah. I mean, who are you going to cover? They're all six five. Yeah, it's that's um, that's it's it's, it's, it's a, an embarrassment of riches. And I don't know if he's quite as good as Hazelwood. I I don't think he is. I think he's not as polished as Hazelwood. He's Hazel definitely not as good but he's but I'm, he's similar in, in his size. I get where you I get the comparison. it's, just match there, yeah. it's
0: all matchups. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's what makes Ole Miss so good. Usually, is they have receivers that are almost all six foot four yeah. across the board.
1: Start up and get him, man. I mean, he is uh, him and Hazelwood. Those types of receivers and Landers potentially. Those are the kind of like the Mike Williams type receivers where you just throw it in the vicinity and you go up again. We saw Wims do it all year but these guys are going to have him for four years as opposed to two. And Williams was, you know, he was okay his, his first year with us, but he came on last year, obviously. But Tommy Bush, is, I call him Mr. Jump Ball Extraordinaire. If you watch his highlights, I mean, you throw the ball up around him, he's going to get it. And it's not just that he's tall. He is tall, but that's one thing. But you also have to have ball skills and be able to go snatch the ball at the highest point point, have really strong hands. And he definitely shows that on tape. have not seen him live, but on tape I, I like what I've seen from him. Definitely a guy that I think can be a contributor for us down the road. He does need to polish up his route running. He does have really good speed, like you said, for a guy that size. You usually don't see guys that tall be uh, as fluid as they are, uh, as he is, and be as as fast as he is in a straight line. But uh, he is. He's got that. I would say he's a positive little bit on the route running, but that can certainly come with coaching. And I think we can definitely coach him up there, no doubt. All right, Kurt. Last thing here I'm going to leave you – well, two things here. First here, before we get out, is this the best recruiting class ever? Not in Georgia history. I'm talking in ever in for any school. Is this the best recruiting class, at least in modern recruiting history since the recruiting services have been around? I
0: don't know. Because Alabama was pretty strong
1: last year. I think the biggest. Well, here's is the thing the- with Alabama. So you look at the numbers because you're right. Alabama. They, so if you look at the two four seven composite, they they had the the numbers. So so our class this year uh, finished with three hundred twenty three point three points. Three hundred twenty three point three. Alabama last year finished with 323.8, but they also signed 29 guys. We only signed 26. If you look at uh, the number of five stars, BAM had six five stars last year. We had seven this year. The average uh, rating of our recruit this year was 94.2. That was the average ranking, which is ridiculous. Alabama last year, with that epic class, their average rating for those 29 recruits was 93.76. So basically, that the class was better than ours. By total score, because they signed three more guys. But if you look at by, by the average rating of each recruit, our class is better. I think there's a legitimate argument. to be – Can we at least make a legitimate argument? This is the best class ever. Yeah, I think you can make an argument.
0: I think the argument that's also got to be made is while the numbers and everything are so great, well, I think what also makes this class so great for us is it addressed every issue. Every
1: we yeah. Why, we got some? We got a good receiver that we need. DB check mark. So offensive line check mark. Check mark. Check mark. I mean, are you, elite yeah, quarterback you, check mark. You lose Raquan,
0: you create uh, competition. I mean,
1: yeah, it's. I mean, it's create. You know, I, I, I don't know if we we got we got some bodies at defensive line. I don't know if we got any elite players. So if there was any hole in the class, would it be to the defensive line?
0: Yeah, I think that's
1: very. Fair. I mean, Jordan uh, Jordan Davis is going to be a good space eater for us. He's got to work on his ability to bend a little bit and play with some more flexibility and, and just play lower in general. But I think he can be a good space eater. Uh, kind of a lot of John John Atkins there. Uh, I think that Devonte Wyatt coming in as a JUCO. I think I think this. I'm actually high on Wyatt. I think he's going to be a really good player for us. I but I don't know if he's a, a superstar in the making. Uh, and Walthour, I think it might be a slight step down from Wyatt. A, a good piece, a good body. I don't know I don't know if he's a game changer, you know, like a Derrick Brown type guy was a couple years back. So, while those guys are solid, I'm glad to have them. I don't know if those are elite. I think that'd be the only position where we didn't get a truly elite prospect, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, but I think you can make a legitimate argument this is the best class ever. So, if you look at like out the next the only other class I would say to compete with it was Bama's class last year cuz now Bama's finished number one 70, row, 70 years in a row uh before this year. So, last year they were 323.87 uh, total points in 16, they were 302 total points. 2015 was 311.1. 2014, 319.5. 2013, 319.5 again. Uh, and I double checked that. I promise it's not a typo. Uh, 2012 was 313.1, and then in 2011, 298.5. So this is at least better than six of the seven classes Bama has, and I I think you can make an argument it was better than. Uh, Alabama's number one class last year because we signed three less players and you could the average rating. And the average rating of, of our players in this class is higher than any year that Bama finished number one over the last seven years. So in the modern recruiting era with all these recruiting services, I think you can make a legitimate argument, at least on paper, that this is the best recruiting class ever. Now, we'll have to see down the road. The, the true measure is four or five years down the road, right? Yeah. Then you see how these guys play out. But I think you can make a legitimate argument there. Uh, only guy we missed out on was Rick Sandage. Are you too upset about that? Because we both had him like, in our ideal final five spots. We both had him in there. Are you okay with missing out on him? And you crying
0: about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it. I mean, in the, in the, you have to be realistic. We were, we did, our coach did an incredible job just to put us in the position we were in.
1: Yeah, a lot of people are upset with with uh, Trey Scott for not really signing a leap guy in this class. But, you know, he got in here late, um, or at least not from the very beginning. Uh, after signing day last year. And to put us in uh, – South Carolina had a huge leak. To put us in a position where we made him think and South Carolina had to send every single coach on their staff to to do his last in-home visit this past weekend, Trey Scott did some work making making South Carolina sweat like that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, Sanchez is a good player and you know, and good for him. Have fun over there in, in Cockville. That's fine. Uh, but uh, – and, and this is not sour grapes. I said this a week and a half ago when we did our, our, our signing day kind of preview show – I think Sanchez is going to be a good player. I'm just not sure he's going to be an elite defensive lineman. I don't think he screams game changing player. I think he screams a good player. I just don't know if he's a, a Derrick Brown type prospect, a Montrevious Adams type guy. I don't see that uh, from him. Maybe we'll see. Uh, but I, mean, I, I would have liked it. I'm sure I would have taken him. But I, I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm totally fine with the guys. I mean, I, I, Quay Walker and Tyson Campbell for me really with the two big ones. And I'm really glad we got Otis Reese. He was a he was right there as well. Uh, And we need a receiver in Tommy Bush, so I'll take that, no problem. Um, Last thing here, Kurt, we'll get out of here on this. What does this number one class for us, what does it mean moving forward? Is it just something to celebrate here and we don't know how much it means? Or does this actually mean something moving forward here?
0: Um, I, like I said earlier, I think it shows that we're not going anywhere. I think that uh, Georgia's here to stay, and I think that um, – in all honesty, I think that Kirby Smart has finally woken the sleeping giant that Georgia is when it comes yeah. to recruiting. Yeah.
1: Do? I don't think what you like can that? say – you can't say we're a sleeping giant anymore, can you?
0: No, I think he's finally awoken it and shown yeah. what Wide we're awake. Actually capable of.
1: Yeah. God, I mean this was our potential for – like it's incredible to see us finally reaching our potential on the field. And almost almost getting to the pinnacle so close and and on the recruiting front.
0: We did so well this year with so many – while still having so many deficiencies across the
1: board. And we answered – and that's the thing. We answered that and while we still – and we have a lot of players returning. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, yeah, we do absolutely. If you hear all the, the the narrative, oh, Georgia, you know, they're losing 33, 34 seniors. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, my God, we're fine. Trust me. We'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, I
0: think, I think I sat down and counted. I think maybe t- at most 10 of them were contributors. I mean, offensively, I think I counted five when you lose
1: win the two running backs and wins. Um, yeah. Yeah, and also, then defensively. That's, oh, and pain. I put pain. pain in well, but spots. I mean, the pain, like, how much did he even play last year? We was well, not use But yeah, it, he, it, yeah, it, yeah it, okay, he was, he was a contributor. He was a contributor, too.
0: Realistically, that's all you lose, and then you're still. But then you're returning Andrew Thomas, Ben Cleveland, all these people. I mean, and then you're going to add these people like uh, Isaiah Wilson and the Cade Mazes that you bring in in this class, the Tommy Bushes, but uh, the, these people that you replace them with. I mean, like we said, you look at the defensive backfield. You know, you lose Sanders, you lose Payers, people that played for us a long time, but honestly, don't have the talent of the people we're
1: replacing them with. Yeah, absolutely. So I, mean, I, I, I do think he, like you say, we've we're not a sleeping giant any longer. The giant is fully awake. Uh, It's incredible to see us kind of actually reaching our potential. We always thought we had so much potential uh, as a recruiting power, as a superpower on the field as well. And here we are finally kind of reaching that, starting to reach that uh, on on both sides of the equation. So it's just incredible to see. Uh, I also think that this is kind of a a signal that we're just – we're widening the gap even more with the SEC East. You know, you saw the gap this year. It was pretty wide, was it not? Yeah. I mean, clearly it was. But then the fact that we finished number one this year, I mean, with potentially, you can make a legitimate argument this was the, number, the best recruiting class in the history of recruiting classes in the modern era. And then you got Florida finishing 14th, in, which is okay, whatever. South Carolina finishing 19th. Tennessee finishing 20th. Uh, so we're clearly widening the gap even more between us and the rest of the SEC East. And then if you look at the SEC as a whole, we signed seven five-stars according to this 247 composite. The rest of the SEC combined signed three. We we signed more than twice as many as the rest of the SEC combined. That's 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 absurd. It's, it, it is preposterous, is what it is. Like it's it truly is like almost unbelievable. How is that true? But it is. So it, 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 let's be real. How as good of a coach as Nick Saban is, the root of his success is, is recruiting, is it not? Yeah. He built that dynasty by having better players. Now Nick Saban's a good game day coach, but do they really out coach any other staff on game day that often? They don't. I, in, my opinion, my, in my opinion, it's based they had better players, and they and they demanded the most out of those players. And you see that with us now. We're getting better players, and Kirby demands that. He has the accountability. Uh, and I, I think we have some great coaches on staff too. So I, I think this just means we're widening the gap uh, even more between us and the SEC East. I think we're going to be a legitimate contender for the playoffs each and every year for the next coming years. And I said this coming into last year. No one wanted to listen to me, but I think now it's, it's kind of, we're kind of bearing fruit here. I, we're on the the precipice of a dog dynasty. Now we could have started the dynasty this year if we won the national title. And, and I thought we were a year ahead. Of schedule. I didn't expect this to do what we did this year. I thought a, I thought we were gonna have a good year, a bounce back year, but not to the level we did. But if we keep recruiting like this and we show no signs of slowing down, in 2019, it, it, we we are in the precipice of a dynasty here. And I, I know that's a, that, that's kind of maybe getting a little ahead of myself, and that's a dangerous word. So knock on wood right now, which I am, but I don't think that's too far fetched. I really don't. I don't. All right, man. You got anything else on the recruiting front here? Nope. All right. Well, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ podcast. I know it was a little bit of an extended show, but we had a lot to talk about, and this is a, a huge day for our program, obviously. Uh, but we appreciate you listening in. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. Check back with us later this week. I'll have some more basketball talk for you, recap of some of the games. Uh, and as always, go dogs.